You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. A cross-chain attack steals millions in cryptocurrency. Lockbit claims to have hit Accenture, but Accenture says with negligible consequences. Emissary Panda flies a false Iranian flag. A chronoplan posts a key for the R-Evil strain used against Kaseya. Alpha Bay has risen from the grave, sort of. Johannes Ulrich has thoughts on resetting 2FA. Our guest is Zidane Plotnik from Apiro on their win of the 2021 RSAC Innovation Sandbox Contest. And you can't fool us, you bought and paid for influencers, you. No vaccine is going to turn us into monkeys. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. A cross-chain attack has hit decentralized finance provider Poly Network with more than $600 million in altcoins stolen. The block assesses the total theft is greater than $611 million. The BBC puts the losses at $267 million of Ether, $252 million of Binance, and about $85 million in USDC. Poly Network appealed to the thieves to return the stolen coin, and their dear hacker plea appears to have fallen on mildly repentant or at least slightly fearful ears. Poly Network tweeted that so far they've received a total value of just over $4.7 million in assets returned by the hacker. So that leaves $599,227,000 in change out there still missing. Decentralized finance providers, or DeFi for short, enable users to shift tokens from one chain to another, The theft from Poly Network is probably the largest theft from a DeFi organization to date. Why the crooks would have returned even a fraction of their take, assuming it wasn't clawed back through misconfigured criminal wallets, is unclear, especially since it amounts to just a fraction of the total haul. There's plenty of speculation in Twitter. Poly Network told the crooks they know who they are and so on, but really nothing is known for sure so far. The block, which keeps tabs on this sort of thing, says the blockchain security outfit Slowmist said it knows the attacker's email address, IP information, and device fingerprint, and that it's offered to share these with Poly Network in the hope of achieving what Slowmist calls a happy ending. In the meantime, efforts are underway to block the stolen funds. Le Parisien reports that LockBits operators claimed to have executed a ransomware attack against Accenture. According to CNBC Washington correspondent Iman James, the attackers said they would shortly release some of the files they obtained and have offered to sell unspecified insider Accenture information to interested buyers. Since these early reports emerged, Accenture late this morning told ZDNet that, quote, Through our security controls and protocols, we identified irregular activity in one of our environments. We immediately contained the matter and isolated the affected servers. 
We fully restored our affected systems from backup. There was no impact on Accenture's operations or on our clients' systems. End quote. Security firm Mandiant describes a Chinese false flag cyber espionage operation against Israeli targets. The UNC-215 group, also tracked as APTA-27 or Emissary Panda, represented itself as an Iranian threat actor working from Tehran. UNC-215 was fastidious in its efforts to clean up its spore, taking care to remove as many forensic artifacts of its activity as possible. It also sought to avoid attribution by flying a false Iranian flag, one that would likely be taken as genuine given the deep mutual distrust between Israel and Iran. Mandiant says, quote, The use of Farsi strings, file paths containing Iran, and web shells publicly associated with Iranian APT groups may have been intended to mislead analysts and suggest an attribution to Iran. Notably, in 2019, the government of Iran accused APT-27 of attacking its government networks and released a detection and removal tool for hyperbro malware, end quote. In any case, the researchers unambiguously attribute the activity to Beijing, not Tehran, and explain that, quote, UNC-215 has compromised organizations in the government, technology, telecommunications, defense, finance, entertainment, and healthcare sectors, the group targets data and organizations which are of great interest to Beijing's financial, diplomatic, and strategic objectives. End quote. Security firm Flashpoint believes it's found a R-Evil decryptor posted to the Rusophone XSS forum by a threat actor going by the hacker name Ekranoplan. Bleeping Computer reports that the key is specific to the variant used in the Kaseya attack and not a universal decryptor. The identity of Ekranoplan, which had no previous presence in the forum and which left soon after it posted the key, is unknown. Why Ekranoplan as a nom de hack? Well, an Ekranoplan is or was a wing-in-ground effect vehicle, neither aircraft nor ship nor hovercraft, but officially classified as a maritime vessel that was used in the late Soviet Union and early post-Soviet Russia, It looks like a big, snazzy flying boat, but it really isn't, since it's designed to fly in ground effect at an altitude of just a couple of meters. The most famous Ekranoplan was a 550-ton job U.S. intelligence services admiringly called the Caspian Sea Monster. Remember Alphabay, the big darknet marketplace that flourished from 2014 through 2017, until it was taken down by an international law enforcement operation. One of its principal administrators, who goes by the hacker name Alpha02, real name Alexandre Kazas, was arrested and died by his own hand in a Thai prison while awaiting extradition and trial. Alpha Bay sold all manner of contraband. Now, Flashpoint says, Alpha Bay is being reconstituted by one of its other administrators, hacker name Da Snake, It's in part an homage to Alpha 02, in part, of course, a money-making operation. The Snake hopes to keep the market's virtual nose relatively clean, with bans on advertising hitman services, guns, erotica, fentanyl, ransomware, or COVID vaccines, which pretty much everything. 
Also, no doxing allowed, which leads one to wonder what kind of contraband this reconstituted Alpha Bay is actually going to amount to. What are they going to sell? Counterfeit Tupperware? Scalp tickets to curling events? Oh, and one other restriction, no activity related to Russia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Armenia, or Kyrgyzstan, which suggests something about which law enforcement operations the snake takes seriously going forward. And finally, Facebook reported yesterday that in July, it took down 65 Facebook and 243 Instagram accounts, originating in Russia but using the services of the UK marketing firm Fazi, which had been engaged in a coordinated effort to recruit influencers to spread COVID vaccine information. Fazi itself is now also unwelcome on Facebook's platforms. The effort apparently enjoyed only indifferent success, but the concentration on influencers was an interesting wrinkle. It's also how the campaign was unearthed. Reuters reports that Fazi approached various influencers with offers to pay them for distributing anti-vaccine content. And two of the influencers, one French, the other German, blew the gaff by complaining publicly about the approach. That prompted investigation and eventually ejection. The anti-vaccine themes were the familiar Russian wheezes about how the shots would for sure be turning people into chimpanzees. Which, of course, we hasten to say, doesn't actually happen. The campaign went Hollywood a bit and sought to use Planet of the Apes-themed memes. And again, you can take it from us straight, whatever the effects of COVID vaccines are, morphing recipients into apes would not be among them. We've kept a sharp eye out around Johns Hopkins, for example, and we're pretty sure we would have noticed any ape women or chimp men out and about. So nice try, Vladimir Vladimirich, but no banana for you. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. One of the highlights of the annual RSA conference is the Innovation Sandbox Competition, where hopeful startups take the stage and make their case in front of a panel of seasoned industry luminaries as judges. This year's winner was Code Risk platform developer Apiro, 
Joining us to share what that winning experience was like is Apiro CEO Idan Plotnik. So, as you know, and everyone knows uh, that the RSA Innovation Sandbox is the place uh, to get uh, recognition from professionals, top-tier leaders in the cybersecurity industry. Um, I can tell you a secret. I tried in my previous startup, uh, Errato, that was acquired by Microsoft in 2015, and we didn't even get to the top 10. So it was, uh, it was exciting um, to, to pass the top 10 and finally win the, the contest. What sort of preparation goes into that presentation? I mean, this is, it's, it's not a small task. It's not. Uh, it was an orchestration of at least four or five people at the company. We worked so hard on uh, recording and on the messaging and on the text itself, on the um, demo that it will be super clear um, and it will resonate to all the practitioners and the um, leaders that will hear or see the video. Um, and, and we, we did a lot of work, like day and night. And eventually, you know, you, know, you, you saw the, uh, the outcome. What are your recommendations to other organizations who are considering entering the innovation sandbox? So w- one, they need to take into consideration that it's, uh, I would say, I, I want to say a life-changing event. Uh, because the amount of traction that we got after winning the RSA Innovation Sandbox was amazing, um, both from you know customers and um, venture capital capitalists, and also from talent, new talent that um, you know it's kind of a, a very important recognition for the company. Um, this is one thing. Second thing is to take into consideration that you need to invest a lot of resources. And it's not just yet another presentation that you prepare for, you know, a sales presentation. You need to differentiate yourself, uh, not only in the technical capabilities, but also in the, the big picture. Like why the problem that you are solving is much bigger than all others in the competition. And we had an amazing, you know, uh, uh, companies out there. This is basically what you need to take into consideration. One, the impact of winning. You need to have uh, the fundamentals or, you know, maybe even more than the fundamentals, but you need a way to collect all this feedback that, that you will get after winning. And, and before that, you need to take into consideration that you need to invest a lot of resources. What was that day like when you were waiting for the results to come back? How were you, how were you feeling that day? Uh, ooh, uh, this w- was very emotional for all the company, uh, not only for me in, you know, personally. Uh, a lot of people invested a lot of resources um, 
and, and the culture in Apiro is that everyone feels that it's kind of their, their baby. You know, they invested a lot of resources in the product, in the engineering, in the messaging, in um, everything around, uh, uh, you know, the success. And we were stressed and, and everyone wanted to uh, uh, be there with me. Um, I was sitting with a, a glass of wine in my house, uh, just watching the, um, you know, the results. It was a, a, an emotional tipping point, you know, um, to, to, to get this, this result. Uh, and, and, you know, we had a, a, a lot of uh, top-notch leaders uh, as judges. Everyone, you know, in the judges are top-notch and, and it was exciting eventually to, to see the outcome. That's Don Plotnik, CEO at Apiro. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Johannes Ulrich. He is the Dean of Research at the Sands Technology Institute and also the host of the ISC Stormcast podcast, Johannes, always great to have you back. Um, we want to talk today about two-factor authentication, um, and uh, in particular, what happens when you have to reset those passwords. What can you share with us today? Yeah, so, you know, we all like two-factor, multi-factor authentication, and we all have these little apps with dozens of uh, tokens uh, stored in them. But uh, what happens when you lose your second factor? And that actually sort of happened to me a while ago with my online banking. They actually gave me one of those physical tokens mm. uh, that sort of has the different number that shows up every 30 seconds. And it failed. It literally failed. I think I washed it. But uh, anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sent it on a trip through the washing machine. <laughs> washing machine, it, it no longer worked. Uh, so I, I still, for some reason, want to get to my money. So uh, I, I called up the bank and figured out, you know, how do I replace this? And mm-hmm. what I sort of expected is that they're just going to you know, mail me a new one. Uh, but, of course, the problem here that you run into is that it takes a couple days or so to receive that new token. Uh, so they actually just disabled the token and then mm-hmm. you know, allowed me via their website to order a new one. Uh, but the process to disabling the token, well, it was good old password reset questions. Uh, which we know don't really work well for for passwords. And it's a real hard problem, I think, to solve. I also saw this a few years ago with Apple. Again, you know, my, my phone broke down, and I used my phone as my second factor for Apple. 
and I couldn't find right away that uh, reset code they give you. Now, they give you one of those reset codes, but of course, I had it stored on my phone. Uh, right, and- <laughs> of course, right. <laughs> It's convenient and I didn't there. remember exactly where I, I had it printed out in the end, so it wasn't that bad. But actually what Apple back then told me was, hey, just set up a new Apple account, kind of. <laughs> Never mind all sort of the different software and such that I had associated with the old account. So uh, there doesn't really seem to be a great solution for this. Uh, everybody uses these emergency codes, but uh, then again, yeah, um, you're going to lose them as likely as you're going to lose your, your primary token. And I feel like if you never use those emergency codes, then you know once you need them, you forgot where you put them. So uh, one workaround here maybe if you're using these emergency backup codes, ever so often ask the user for one of them, just to remind them where they are while they still have their primary token, and uh, you know then at that point if they can't find them, if they lost them or whatever, uh, they can always issue new ones because they still have their primary token. But uh, that's sort of uh, one little measure here uh, to implement uh, to to make it less likely that these backup factors get lost. And you know, then when you implement two-factor authentication, definitely think through that process. What are we going to do that's reasonable from cost perspective? Uh, I heard some rumors that with Apple, you can go with your ID to the Apple store. haven't tried that yet. Uh, mm. But you know, that's a fairly costly process. Not every company has stores all over the country. Um, right. where, where you can uh, where you can do that. Uh, maybe banks could do that with branches, but you know how many banks still have branches out uh, there? And even then, you know you're not necessarily close or convenient uh, to one of those locations. So uh, think that through. In particular, when you're relying on a hardware token like these YubiKeys or things like this for Web then allow users to register like two or three tokens, uh, because they tend to break. You know, you, uh, if you expect people to carry them around with them all the time, uh, they'll fall into the pool or stuff like this. So, mm-hmm. so stuff happens to them, and you need to allow for a backup to exist. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I what I've t- uh, taken to do is I have a backup version of YubiKey, and there's a a place in my house that is sort of an out of the way place, but I actually have it stuck to the wall, you know, hanging off of mm-hmm. a hook, uh, yeah. so that if I need it, that's where it is. <laughs> you know. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but I'm I'm curious. I want to swing back though with your bank. I mean. What good is two-factor if you can just call them up and and answer a few questions and they disable it? Correct. And that's it was pretty much the same question they would ask me if I would have lost my password, for example. So it was right. pretty much uh, I didn't push it. So uh, yeah. to check whether yeah. I could use the same answers to also reset my password at the same time and sort mm-hmm. of completely take over my account. Now the questions weren't bad, kind of. They were sort of you no know, your your last transaction, your your bank balance, and what what banks typically do for these questions, but. Again, you know, you're trying to defend against a little bit more sophisticated attackers here with these, with these tokens. So um, you're kind of getting back to a, a single factor because he thinks that you know again. Uh, so that thing you have uh, really doesn't have that much value in the end. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something worth thinking about when you implement these sorts of things. Johannes Elric, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. That's the Cyberwire. 
for links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Trey Hester, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI... The best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 